Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. We have um, been talking the last few weeks. Well, the first couple of weeks, I kind of wanted to set you up a little bit. We talked about the importance of reminders, the importance of recalling the word, the importance of strengthening and reinforcing belief systems, that faith doesn't come by hearing, or faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing, a perpetual, a constant, an ongoing uh, uh, staying in the word, being reminded of the word. And I don't ever want to treat his reminders of any less value than his initial revelation. We can all get hyped up and, oh, what a good word, write it all down, draw it all out, highlight it, whatever. Uh, But when he starts coming back and reminding us of those things, uh, reinforcing those things, it's so that when the tests come and when the trials come, we have something we can stand on. The song we just sang, I trust in God, it's because I'm reinforced and I have a confident expectation, not a last ditch effort. I trust in God because everything else failed me. I trust in God because no one else has come through. No, I trust in God because I know he will always faithfully perform his word. That which he set out to do, he will see it accomplished. Amen. And so it's with that kind of fortified faith and that kind of strengthened uh, belief system that we're going to be able to withstand the attacks of the enemy and be able to get on the offensive. We need a church on the offensive. We need a church that is ready to attack, not just withstand attacks, not just get inside our uh, stained glass buildings and just huddle up until Jesus comes and takes us home, but a church that's ready to go and take territory for the kingdom of God. Amen. We've got work to do. And so we need a strong faith, a fortified faith, a reinforced foundation. And so one of those foundations uh, that we wanted to begin, and I launched out last week, of um, reminding us of and reinforcing in our lives is the purpose of the kingdom of God, the plan of the kingdom of God. And when we say words like kingdom, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven in church, we've made it very religious and we've made it very churchy, but we need to understand God's original intent, design, and plan when it comes to the earth when it comes to mankind, when it comes to our existence, when it comes to what is your purpose, everybody has asked the question in life, why am I here? Why do I exist? And we can come up with all kinds of answers and we can come up with all kinds of uh, things that we think give us purpose. This is what I know is if you don't discover your purpose, somebody else will discover it for you. If you don't discover what God's purpose is for your life, somebody else, something else will occupy that space and will try to define your identity, will try to define your existence, will try to define your purpose, will try to define your agenda and your plans. And so we look to jobs and we look to how much we make and we look to who we marry and we look to the clothes that we wear and we look to the people that we hang out with to all give us purpose and identity and some kind of, uh, you know, reason of existence. But at the end of the day, God designed you. He defined you. He created you. The manufacturer knows why you exist, knows your purpose, knows 
uh, uh, everything you are going to accomplish and should accomplish and then put everything in you to accomplish it. You're not missing any parts. I said, you're not missing any parts. So stop comparing yourself to the people that you think have what you wish you had because they're looking at you wishing they had what you have. Amen. So comparison's not gonna get us anywhere. I just wanna get compared to what God's design was and say, that's what I should look like. That's how I should function. That's how I should operate. And I wanna match that, amen? And so we saw last week, uh, without getting too deep, uh, that Jesus spoke of this kingdom repeatedly, obsessively. We saw that just a little glimpse, just in one chapter, Matthew 13, he mentions the kingdom, you know, how many times? And not just mentioning the kingdom, but descriptively trying to give us imagery. The kingdom of God is like a dragnet. The kingdom of God is like a uh, field with buried treasure in it. The kingdom of God is like a, a master that goes on a long journey and gives to his servants three talents. The, the kingdom of God is like this and the kingdom of God is like this. Obsess- obsessively speaking about, talking about this kingdom. We see even at the point of death with uh, standing in front of Pontius Pilate, the governor of the time, who has the ability to release this man freely as a maniac or to have him crucified as a real traitor and a real um, offense to the uh, emperor, Caesar Augustus. We, 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 We see even in that instance, he's not backing down. In that moment where you think, okay, this has gotten out of hand, people think I'm a king, people think I'm all about some kind of crazy kingdom, I better dial this back and and I don't wanna lose my life over this thing. He stood pat, he said, I am a king, you've spoken rightly and my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my, my soldiers would have come and fought and would have already defeated you. I mean, that's not what you wanna say to the man that has your life in his hands. But you see, he's not backing down. You see that he knows what his existence. He says, for this cause, I was born. For this cause, I came into this world. It's a cause. See, when you don't know your cause, you'll, what do they say? If, if, if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for everything. He knew what he was standing for. He knew the cause. He knew the reason of his existence. And he was willing to die. For this kingdom. He was really, he, 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 he had no, no issues with people misunderstanding this thing's about a kingdom. Notice Jesus didn't come as a religious figure like most of us have postured him as. He didn't come touting Christianity. Not once did he ever talk about Christians or Christianity. We don't even find him preaching the things that we preach mostly about. He didn't preach about being born again. Show me where he preached about being born again. Show me where he stood on the side of a mountain with 20,000 plus on the hillside saying, now let me tell you what's gonna happen, guys. I'm gonna die for your sins because you're sorry lost sinners. I'm gonna give my life. And if you believe that I died and I rise again, you will one day make entrance into heaven with me. You won't find it. We got four gospels. It'd be one thing if we only had one man writing about his life and it was, we got four different perspectives telling us what Jesus's life and ministry was all about. And over and over and over, 
He says, it's about a kingdom. It's about a kingdom. It's about a kingdom. Repent. His first words are repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, at hand, near you, within reach is what he's saying. It's this close. I'm bringing a kingdom. I'm not bringing religion. I'm not bringing Christianity. I'm not bringing just another. Look, if Jesus is the head of Christianity, then he's no more greater than any other leader of any other religion. But he came to do something completely different. He came to restore God's original plan and God's original design and God's original intent. Well, where do you go to find the original intent? If you want to get to the the bare bones, the basics, the fundamentals, you want to find the original purpose for something, where do you go? You go to the beginning. You go to the beginning. So let's go to the beginning. Genesis chapter one. We need to go to the beginning. What is this kingdom that Jesus is so obsessed with? What is this kingdom that he's constantly talking about? Why do we preach about Jesus, but we don't preach what Jesus preached about? I mean, Jesus didn't even preach about Jesus. You know, we say things like we need Jesus. They need Jesus. And that's true. But Jesus said, you need the kingdom. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm the door. I'll help you make entrance into something. But what people need is the kingdom of God. And I promise you, if you grab a hold of this, it will answer every question you've ever had. And you'll find it's the thing you've been searching for all your life. Look, the, the, the homeless man under the bridge and the billionaire in the penthouse, they're both asking and searching for the same things. They are. Everybody's looking for purpose. Everybody's looking for a reason of existence. Everybody's looking for what's that higher power or that higher being that I'm supposed to side with and present allegiance to that will help me live a, a fruitful, fulfilled life. Everybody's looking for it. It doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter how much you have. It doesn't matter what belongs to you. It doesn't matter what you've gained or excelled at in life. Everybody's looking for it. And we want to discover that. And this is one of the basics, the fundamentals that we have to discover and lay down. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, of course, Genesis 1 is the uh, account of creation, isn't it? God creating the entire universe. Everything came into existence by God and from God, and nothing that exists came into existence without God, right? We know this. And so we see that God is, is setting the firmaments and the heavens and the waters and the dry lands separated from the water and the, the animals. And uh, he, he's you know, putting the sun in place and the stars in place and the, 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 the greater light and the lesser light and the day and the night. And he's doing all these things. But we get to verse 26 and it says this, then God said, let us make man in our image. In whose image? Our. This is God speaking. Let us, meaning there's more than one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But at this point, it's not just God the Son, it's God the Word. 
In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. God and his word are inseparable. They're the same. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Those words according to are very important because that means there's no discrepancy. There's no distinguishing. According to is very important. If, if I were to give Grace $100, she's, she said, I received that. Glory. Shonda, she, she, she felt that one. If I were to give Grace $100, and now I said, Grace, go give Myrna according to how I gave to you. And she gives Myrna $90. Did she give according to? No. It can't be any discrepancy. It's got to be the same. So if he says, according to our likeness, in our image, according to, that means I'm the model, I'm the template, and then everything that comes after that is designed according to, operates according to the model and the template. And there can't be any separation. It can't be any lesser than. It can't be any all but. He's creating, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Image speaks to uh, identity. Image speaks to identity. Likeness speaks to function. You got to understand these two things. Image speaks to identity. You're going to identify Just like I identify in heaven, you're going to identify on the earth. According to our image, identity. But now likeness speaks to function, meaning all the things that you need to fulfill the identity. Everything you need to fulfill the identity. What good is it if we're made in his image, but we're not given the functionality to operate like him? What good is it if he's created me in his image, as we'll see, to rule and reign, but when, my, when I speak, my words don't do the same thing his words do? Well, that's a problem, right? I mean, you know, we have these designs. We have these, uh, uh, you know, electronics designed by a manufacturer. And remember, everything exists in the mind before it exists in the world. Before this was in someone's hand, somebody by the name of Steve Jobs had this in his head, in his mind. Nobody else could see it. Image comes from the word, ima- or, uh, you know, it's where we get our word imagination. You were in God's mind far before you existed on this planet. Before he knit you in your mother's womb, I what? Knew you. Knew here. And not just knew you like I I knew who you were, didn't know what you would do or didn't know what you were. He knew all of it. He knew who you were. He knew what you would possess. He knew what you wouldn't possess. He knew what you needed. And he put in you, just like Steve Jobs, put everything inside of this device 
everything necessary to fulfill its design and intention. The function helps you fulfill the intention. The function helps you fulfill the intention. Designed by a manufacturer in the mind. Now let us make man, let us form, right? Later we find that he forms man of the dust of the ground. But in men, he put, in, in man, in woman, he put all the capacity, all the functionality you would need to fulfill the plan of God for your life. Now, yes, each of us have an individual plan that God has called us to. And you can't fulfill my plan, and I can't fulfill your plan. And if we would all just get busy running the race that's in front of us, we would be more successful and be more fulfilled and fruitful in our lives. But a lot of times we're looking at someone else's lane trying to run their race or telling someone else how to run their race. We just need to stay in our lane, right? But in general, you and I all, everyone that's ever walked this planet has all had the same purpose. Has all had the same purpose. And that's found in the next statement. Let them have dominion. Everyone say dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27 tells us that God created man in his own image. In the image of God. He created them. Male and female, he created them. All in the image of God, according to the likeness of God, having the same functionality. Those functions, those that this button does what it's supposed to do, and this button does what it's supposed to do, and when I swipe up, it does what it's supposed to do, and when I go there, it does what it's supposed to do, and all the little things, even the stuff you can't see inside of here is all performing a function that ultimately makes this thing fruitful. And guess what? If it's dysfunctional, what do you do? You throw it out and get a new one, right? We don't tolerate dysfunction. So the desire is it should function like I designed it to function. And you know what's also important is You know, I must be careful now to use this exactly for what it was designed for. Now, you know, I'm sure there's nails in this thing, this trim here. I'm sure I could drive a nail in there to some degree with an iPhone. But you know what? It's not designed for that. And I'm probably not going to end up with as great of a job here as I would if I used a hammer. And I'm probably going to compromise the effectiveness of this phone going forward if I misuse it. If I'd use it not according for what it was designed for. Y'all with me? Is this making sense? And so in God's mind, he knew what you were created for, the image. He knew everything you would need, the likeness. And then he knew the Uh, intention that you would fulfill the assignment 
and the purpose that you would accomplish. And as long as we follow the image, likeness, and functionality and stay within the assignment he's called us, we're going to be fruitful. We're going to be fulfilled. We're going to be successful. But the moment that we misuse any of that, the moment I think I'm a less than image, the moment I get my or try to get my image or identity from anything other than God, the moment that I don't think I have the functionality God gave me, or the moment that I don't think I can fulfill the assignment to which he's called me, if I get any three of those messed up, I'm going to be compromised in my efforts. And people walk this earth daily with the wrong image, with the wrong functionality, or with the wrong assignment, compromising their value, their worth. And not only are they compromised, but the assignment to which they were called is compromised as well. Not only do I compromise this phone by trying to drive nails through wood, I compromise the job that I'm trying to get done with the wrong device and with the wrong functionality and with the wrong intentions. I get compromised and so does the world that I'm supposed to be reaching. Where purpose is not known, we said this last week, where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. And it doesn't mean it won't maybe work for some time and look effective for some time. But overall, in the end, we're going to be greatly disappointed with the outcome, be greatly disappointed with the results, be greatly disappointed, and, and, and we're, we're going to, but I'll tell you what, it's, it's real easy to get on, on course. He's made it super easy to get back to our functionality, to get back to our design, to get back to our reason for existence, to get back to the image of God, the image of God he made you. Verse 28 says, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion, everyone say dominion, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We said last week that Jesus came touting this kingdom, speaking about this kingdom, obsessively, ministering on and sharing the kingdom of God. And now we're finding in man's original design and man's original call that you were, number one, made in his image. Number two, given his likeness and functionality so that, number three, you could fulfill his plan for your life. And what is his plan? His plan is that you would have dominion on the earth, subjecting it and subduing it to the will of God. What is this kingdom? Jesus didn't come introducing a kingdom. Jesus came reintroducing a kingdom. Jesus didn't come to introduce a kingdom. He came to reintroduce mankind to his original purpose, to his original design, to his original call, to God's original plan, all the way back in Genesis chapter one. This whole thing 
was about ruling and reigning over a territory. What did we say a kingdom was? Let me give those to you again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say these quickly. So if you missed them last week, you can jot them down. What is a kingdom? We said, number one, a kingdom is a territory under the rule of a king. It's a territory under the rule of a king. We said, secondly, that a territory is where authority is exercised. A kingdom is a territory where authority is exercised. Thirdly, we said that a king is simply a king's domain. It's the domain, it's the region, it's the the, the territory that a king dominates over. A king's domain. Of course, a kingdom is a government. It's a government. Notice in the, in, in the original plan, the original design, like if, if you wanted to go back and understand the foundations of the United States of America, what this country was founded on, what this country believed in, what this country, uh, uh, what, what the essentials were, where would we have to go? Y'all give me some ideas. The Constitution of the United States, the Declaration of Independence, right? Uh, what year would we need to go to? 1776, I'm stretching your history. Some of y'all are like, somebody else say it because I don't know it. 1776 was the year this country was founded. You want to go to the beginning. Have you? Do, how many of you think we've veered a little bit? Huh? Don't get political. It ain't political, it's historical. Every country's done it. We're not the only ones, every nation. One of the, the, the greatest uh, governments that ever ruled was the Roman government, and even they veered off. It's, it's, it's almost inevitable. Have we as believers, Christians, have we veered from the original intent in some way, shape, or form? Probably. And that's why we're reinforcing. Because see, what happens is, is what, what, what happens is, is let's say I, I lay a board and I say, okay, I want to cut this 12-foot board down to 10 feet. And I cut that first one down to 10 feet. But if I use the newly cut board to measure the next one, instead of the original board, maybe little by little, I'm not gonna know, the, 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 the veering off is very incremental, isn't it? it it's, it's unnoticeable. But, you know, about 100 boards in, I'm not gonna end up with the 10-foot board. I'm gonna end up with the nine-foot 10-inch board. Y'all with me? Over time, I'm not gonna, I need to go to the original model, not the last most recent thing I saw. Hello? Some of us are only getting our purpose in life from the most recent mama and daddy, grandma, my last pastor, uh, you know, the last 50 years. God, I'm telling you, there's a template and there's a model that's been laid at the beginning. And we gotta get all the way back to Genesis chapter one to find out why you and I are even here. Otherwise, we start saying things that, you know, like you need to get saved and born again so when you die, you go to heaven. That's the veering off, guys. That's the veering off. It's not an untrue statement. But it's veered off from, you need to get Satan born again so you can rule and reign on this earth as God originally designed you to. 
so that we can take a world that has been handed over to the enemy back into the subjection of the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of darkness. So we have to get to the beginning. He said that I created you. I set this kingdom within your territory. Essentially, this is God's plan. God did not establish a religion on the earth. He established a government on the earth. My very last statement that maybe some of y'all locked up on, but that's okay. It's okay to lock up on these things because I get it. You know, the, 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 the two things that, are, that will always challenge the kingdom of God the most are the two things you and I have the most. Number one is religion. Religion always challenges the kingdom of God. The greatest challengers to Jesus's ministry were not the, the sinners and those that were just living outright. It was the ones that thought they were accomplishing the plan of God without knowing the person of the father. Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders, religion. But the second one might even be more dangerous than religion. And it's American freedom. This might be the hardest country on the planet to preach this message in. Those are the two things that that are the hardest to break down to get the kingdom message through. So when I say things like, you know, the, the, the answer for the world today, God's answer for the earth was government. Well, all we've seen is the most recent bias is a broken system. Well, sure, in man's hands, everything is broken. The best we can do pales in comparison to what God originally intended. But God's original intention was a government ruling the earth. God as king over a territory called a kingdom, a king's domain where that authority and that dominion is exercised. He had this established in heaven. It's the kingdom of heaven. But his desire was not that it would remain in heaven. His desire that was that he would extend that rule and extend that territory from heaven to the earth. And not just from heaven to earth, but from an unseen realm to a seen realm. And so an unseen heaven, from an unseen heaven, God says, I'm gonna create a seen earth, a planet, a territory called earth. And I'm gonna create within that confine everything necessary for my man to rule over and to dominate and to subject it. He extended heaven to earth, the unseen heaven to the seen earth. And then he said, I'm not gonna rule earth from heaven. I'm gonna create a seen man living on the seen earth to rule and reign that ter- rule and reign and subject that territory just as I rule and reign in heaven and I've subject this territory. That's the original intent that we see here. That's the original purpose. That's the original plan. So now when we read Jesus's words and we see kingdom, we're not just thinking, you know, a heavenly place that we go to one one day when we die. We're thinking something that's supposed to be existing here and now. And look what he says in Genesis 1 verse 26. He says, let us make man 
in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. He gave you, man, dominion and authority. He gave us dominion and authority. He gave us this dominion and authority to rule over, to reign over, to subdue the earth, to subject it. Not to rule and reign on our own accord, but to rule and reign as one subjected to the king of kings. But when we make that statement, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, have you ever stopped and asked, well, who are the kings? Who are the lords? He's the Lord of lords. Who's the lords? He's the king of kings. Who are those kings? That's us. Now, my authority doesn't work if I'm not submitted. So this is where, you know, some... Uh, you know, religious people, religious folk like to get out of line and start saying, oh, you think you're in charge and, and God's placed you in charge and you think that you can tell God what to do? No, of course not. God is the ultimate authority. He's the final say, obviously. I'm not in charge outside of God's authority. I'm submitted to God's authority and therefore I operate in authority. All of our military servicemen and women understand this that your authority doesn't work without submission. And you might be in charge of a rank under you, but you have to submit to a rank over you. Isn't that what the Roman centurion recognized about Jesus when he he said, my servant lies at home at the point of death? Well, I'll come and heal him. No, 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 you don't even need to come and heal him. Just speak the word only, and I know my servant will be healed. Why? Because I've watched you, and you are submitted to authority. Therefore, I know you have authority. And when you say one thing, it's got to happen. When you say another thing, it's got to happen. Because me, I'm submitted to the authority over me. And so, because I'm submitted, when I tell my servant, come here, he comes. When I tell another servant, go, there he goes. Your authority is only as good as your submission. Your authority is only as good as your submission. So it's not that I'm trying to be in charge on my own accord. It's not that I'm trying to dictate things in the earth on my own, like, you know, God is at my mercy. No, I'm just aligning with his plan. He says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. Those are the three things he mentions there. And I just want to seek to fulfill that plan in totality. We have some verses that support this in Psalms 115, verse 16. Psalms 115, verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. Now, God owns it by right of creation. He created it, he owns it. So I don't own it. But I am in charge of it. He put me in charge of it. 
The Passion Translation reads this way, the heavens belong to our God, they are his alone, but he has given us the earth and put us in charge. Put us in charge. Well, that kind of does away with the whole God is in control stuff, doesn't it? And I know, I know, it's much easier to live thinking that. I get it. My hands are off, God is in control. They lived, they died, God's in control. Earthquake came, God is in control. And it sounds so virtuous and it sounds so appealing to the religious mind, but yet God is in heaven saying, I put you in charge. Now, does that mean God's not in control? Of course not. But what is he in control of? Have we ever stopped to ask that question? What is he in control of? God's in control of one thing, his word. That's what he's in control of, his word. If he speaks a thing, he does a thing. And so when God said, let them have dominion, let them rule, guess what? Is God a liar? Can God lie like you and I? Can God take something back? No. When he speaks a thing, it is. So guess what? He said, let them have dominion. Let them rule. So guess what? And he's very specific. Let us create man in our image. What is man? Man is a spirit possessing a soul, living in a body. This is the most simplest form. That's man. Mortal, has a beginning, has an end, but you got a flesh suit. You take away any three of those ingredients, you no longer are man. You're not man. You're not man if you don't have a flesh suit. Right? You might be a spirit, but you're not a you're not man. Could be an angel, could be a demon but you're missing the element of the flesh. Well, guess what God's missing? The flesh. <laughs> Come on, guys. I mean, I'm not, this isn't hard. This is, this is just, the back, just the basics. God himself said, I am spirit. And those who worship me, worship me in spirit and in truth. And so he assigned the rulership and the oversight of the earth to a very specific entity, man. Let us make man and let them have dominion. Um, Psalms chapter eight reiterates this. Psalms chapter eight. Everybody's okay? All right. I'm going slow intentionally. I, I want to spell it out again for most of us. This should be reinforcing. This should be strengthening some things. But for some of you, this may be the first time. And this is what I've also learned. In fact, it's already happened to me tonight. I've never ministered this message and highlighted the three things out of Genesis chapter one, verse 26. You can go back and listen to any message. I've I've never said number one, image, number two, likeness, number three, assignment. I've never said that. You're already discovering that even in God's reminders, he can bring new revelation. I've never broken it down like that. And I've been teaching this for 
15 years. Never. So for those of us that are getting something reinforced, God's still showing you something new you've never seen. And for those of you that are hearing a new word that you've never heard before, man, receive it because it's life. And it's gonna answer questions. Psalms chapter eight, verse three, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Verse six says, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. I mean, we love saying stuff like this about Jesus. It's under his feet. I mean, we just sang a song about being seated in heavenly places. When I shout, the walls come down. I see miracles, I see signs. But do we believe those words as we're singing them? Do we know that that's scripture? You've given me authority. We just sang about it. You've crowned him with glory and honor. You've made him to have dominion over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, the beasts of the field, the the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Let's read this in the Passion Translation because we get a word wrong which is okay. Humans mess up, don't they? Humans mess up. Even in our New King, New King James translation, we can, we, can, we can mess this up. And in verse um, five, you know, it says, you have made him a little lower than the angels. But starting with verse three in the Passion says, look at the splendor of your skies, your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at your moon and your stars mounted like jewels in their settings, I know you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. But I have to ask you this question. Why would you bother with puny mortal man or care about human beings? It's a legit question, right? We feel so much less than and so far below the entity of God, the creator of the universe, the all-knowing one, the all-seeing one, the one that's omnipresent everywhere and anywhere at any time, all the time, that knows every little molecule that makes up your body, but also has created the most expansive galaxies that put all this in place perfectly how you could believe in a big bang theory or a shot in the dark or whatever, or that we have evolved from, how you could come up with these conclusions is beside me. You have to come to the conclusion there is a greater power, a higher being. But in all of that, why would you bother with us? And you know what? In our sinful state, in our fallen state, it's easy to come to that conclusion but the writer reminds himself of something. Why would you bother with us? Verse five, yet what honor you have given to men. Created a little lower, this one has it corrected, a little lower than Elohim. So the writers of the New King James saw that word because there's an original Hebrew the word is written in. And the word is Elohim. 
It's God. It said, uh, there's, there's no way. Because a fallen person wrote that. A fallen person looked at that and said, mm, no, he must have meant angels. But the original writer, empowered by the Holy Spirit, wrote Elohim. Yeah? Wrote a little less than, little lower than God himself. You are not beneath angels. Angels are beneath you. That might be brand new information. That's okay. You are coming to Anchor Faith Church in the year of the reigning spirit. So we're going to talk about angels. And we're going to stop worshiping angels because we are not worshiping angels. Angels are doing our bidding. Angels are doing our service. We command them to go and tell them to go and to bring and to bring and to come and they will come and to do the work of the, what the church needs them to do. I'm not at the mercy of an angel. An angel can be a messenger of God, but I'm not lower than an angel. He says a little lower than Elohim. He goes on to say crowned. I mean, are you reading what I'm reading? Crowned with glory in magnificence. I mean, you put crowns on kings. Crowns don't exist in religions. Thrones don't exist in religions. I don't know any religion that says, uh, here, here's, the, here's the throne that our leader sits on. No, we're talking about a kingdom. We're not just talking about a faith or a belief system or a religious activity. We're talking about a kingdom. You crown, you have delegate with crowns. Uh, you've crowned him with glory and magnificence. You have delegated to them rulership over all you made with everything under their authority, placing earth itself under the feet of your image bearers. Man, I'm loving this. Golly. The only reason you wouldn't love this is because you want to live in your God is in control world and take your hands off the construct of the earth and everything that happens. And if that's worked for you to this point, go for it. But I knew too many people that if they could get a glimpse of their authority, their rights, their privileges, their identity, their image of God, their likeness of God that they've been created, it would change everything. It would change their marriage, it would change their work and employment. It would change their value and their worth system. Come on. We'd stop bowing down to things that we should be ruling over. The earth is to be in your subjection. We should not be subjected to the earth or anything of the earth. Placing earth itself under the feet of your image bears all the created order of every living thing of the earth, sky, and sea, the wildest beasts, and all that move in the paths of the seas. Everything is in submission to Adam's sons. Yahweh, our sovereign God, your glory streams from the heavens above, filling the earth with the majesty of your name. People everywhere see your splendor. Let me give you a couple more verses. I know we're running 
a little over. Let me show you this. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. We all know this verse. What I love about this message is it's recalling things that we have all seen before. It's almost been perfectly set up. You've seen this verse every Christmas. It's on your Christmas card. It's on your refrigerator. It's on your Instagrams. We've seen it time and time. Again, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given. And just to point out here, notice that it says a child is born, but it says that a son is given. The son wasn't born because the son always existed. The child was born, but the son has always existed from the beginning of time. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and we never stopped to ask what in the world does the next sentence mean? And the government? And the government will be upon his shoulder? The government? Why is this about a government all of a sudden? We're just trying to celebrate Christmas. We're just trying to celebrate the risen or or, or the birth of the baby Jesus. But in the manger with the shepherds coming and the wise men coming, giving all the gifts and the, and why are we talking about governments? Why are we making this political? <laughs> why is that word in there? And the government will be upon his shoulder. A government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Oh, let's throw it in there again. Of the increase of his government. So not only do we have a government, we have a government that is increasing and expanding and it will never stop. Meaning, it's not like we had an idea for government and that didn't work, so we're cutting that off. It's, no, we're sticking with that. Government is what this thing is all about. The government is always the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. It's always been about a government. It's always been about a kingdom from the beginning of time. It's not a been, it's never been about just say this little prayer so that when you die, you go to heaven. It's never been about accept Jesus into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. It's never been about uh, all the, the things that, 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 that just fill up our Christian void and, and make us feel like we've got great Christian exercise. We've been missing the element of the kingdom of God, the government system that God himself put in place. God desired to extend his unseen kingship to a seen kingship in you and I. And he desired to extend his unseen kingdom from heaven to a seen kingdom on the earth. And the earth was to represent heaven and you were to represent God. 
supposed to be one and the same. Oh, let's see. Which one do I want to wrap up on? Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I'm just giving you the original intent tonight. I started with Jesus obsessing over this kingdom. Kingdom, 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 kingdom. What is this kingdom all about? We go back to Genesis chapter 1. We find out that it's always been about a government, always been about a kingdom. And he designed this earth to be a reflection of heaven, and he designed you to be a reflection of him. We'll get into the fall next week. We'll get into what happens when you fail to submit. When you fail to submit it to to authority, you cannot walk in authority. Romans chapter 5 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will what? Will what? Reign in life. Through the one, Jesus Christ. Now, this is new covenant. This is new covenant. I'm fully aware in Genesis chapter 3, that original plan goes, Psh. but Jesus still obsessed of the kingdom, still spoke of the kingdom. It said that the government would be placed upon his shoulders. And now you and I, the goal is what? That you and I would reign in life through the one. The passion reads it this way. Death once held us in its grip. And by the blunder of one man, who's that? Come on, say it louder. Say it like you're in heaven looking at him saying, Adam. (laughs) And by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. But now, How much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, this life? Not just to die and go to heaven life. This life, reigning now, here and now in this life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah. This was God's original intent. And even after the blunder, even after the failure of Adam, even after their sin and voluntary transgression, which we'll look at probably next week, even after all that, he still says, my goal is to get my people, my man, my woman in the earth, ruling and reigning in this life over the affairs of the earth. Isn't that good? Father, we just give you glory. We give you glory for your kingdom. We give you glory that you designed us, created us in your image to look like you, your likeness to act like you. With the assignment that you gave us to pursue on the earth, what you pursue in heaven, to rule and reign, to subject it. Father, we don't take this lightly. This revelation tonight, this strengthening, in our spirits of our assignment, our purpose, our identity, who you called us to be. We do not take it lightly. We accept it. We receive it as the truth of your word that you have set up a kingdom on this earth, a kingdom that your son came to 
minister and preach about, to demonstrate, and to die for. And Father, we receive our rightful place in the kingdom of God. Father, I pray by your spirit, you continue to open our hearts and open our minds, eyes to see by the spirit, ears to hear by the spirit, that we won't won't be blocked by religious mindsets. But just as your son Jesus taught us, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We change our thinking to align with your way, to side with your word and your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.